Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Men, sex caliber bones a lot. Madeline, Edward, Sunzi, Alyssa, Vixen, Holly, Natasha, Boezy, Laura, Jeremy, Ali, Mr. Ragebomb, Loban, Loban? Logan, Libby, Wes, Aaron, Kristen, Amy, Tia, Matthew, Jonathan, Isaac, and Karoon. But because it's that special time of the month, we get to shout out our You Can Get It level sponsors, and they are Ray, Nikki, Knitting Menace, Samantha, Trevor, Renee, Billy, Tara, Jennifer, Levi, Caitlin, Kevin, Kate, Dharma, Grace, Amanda the Playwright, Alexandra, Brooklyn, Bryce, Sean, Dominic, Shayna, Ali, Dr. Voorhees, MD, Robert, Amelia, Maxwell, Lisa, Lisa, Martha, AJ, Radioactive Spider Gwen, Rock Donkey, Irene, Na- Naomi, Bex, Laura, Cameron, Kaylee, Daisy, Jackie, Alisa, Mushroom Snail Fox, an unintentionally badass, aka Jennifer. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of the awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group where we are revisiting movies daily. Mikey's super sick, so he sounds like Lupita Nyong'o in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Untether yourself from the microphone. (laughs) I did a Zoom interview last Wednesday, and it was like I had to interview people for their job, and I was like, this position. (laughs) And like the other two supervisors got up and left to go get water to not laugh at me (laughs) because. It was a question I could only answer, so they like threw it to me, and I was like, let me unmute. <laughs> Why is he in a jumpsuit? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin on Page. <laughs> I'm Mikey. <laughs> and I'm your Horror Virgin Todd. <laughs> oh. And this week, the listeners made us revisit us. Uh, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> That's the song. So, oh yeah, yes. <laughs> Mike's got five on it. Oh, Loonies, classic. Paige, yes. You've seen this movie, I know, but you weren't on Absolutely. the last episode we did with it, Mikey. I know you've seen it because you were on that episode. But Paige, when was the first time you saw it? I saw this in theaters. Okay, I figured you would have. Yeah, because even though like you weren't on this podcast yet. You were still like a hardcore horror bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. I saw it in theaters 
And you guys, if I remember correctly, saw it in theaters and did your episode right after, yeah. which we for did. a Jordan Peele movie, worst plan, no offense, because you need at least a week and a half to roll it around in your brain and talk to other people before you come up with your like thesis on the film. It's it's funny you mention it because that episode created my favorite review of the horror version where a guy <laughs> says, listening to Mikey struggle to talk about issues of people of color is both horrifying and hilarious. Please do more. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> I, I also, I don't know if you remember, because I, I had already met you guys at that point. We had oh, met yeah. at Panic Fest prior to that episode. And that episode came out. I listened to it. And I was like, oh, no, they missed like a, a huge point. And so I emailed Jen <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Jen, here is a dissertation. And she was like, oh, my God, I think you're right. And so then Jen posted it on the blog. So I was like not even on the show or anything yet. And I had an article on the Horror Virgin blog about classism <laughs> and this movie. Um, so I'm actually uh, pretty happy to talk about it at length again today nice. it's been rolling around in my head along with the other jordan peele movies of course you know that i have a universe theory where where does it rank in your jordan peele verse last currently i mean it should this is probably the worst one of his movies right like i mean they're all great it's still a really good movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no i agree like yes. i <laughs> i agree but this is his worst. Right. But only because one of them has to be. The other two are so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like, uh, no, that that's where I'm at with it. Wait, where do you put Keanu? Oh. Because that's almost first. That's like right below Get Out. I love Keanu. Me too. Uh, Keanu's such a fun, fun fucking movie. Keanu's a really funny movie, yeah. <laughs> Not a horror movie, by the way, so don't. It has cats. I know. I love it. So, so many cute kittens and do-rags in that movie. So here's, here's where I land. And, and I feel like there are like industry reasons for why this ranks last for most people, not everybody. And if this is your main fave, that's fine. It's a good movie. It's just, you're holding it up next to two amazing movies. So like, you know, anyway, get out. He had like five years to work on it. Right. And I think that this movie shares something, uh, something with Get Out, which is honestly the use of like a magical realism or metaphor. And the difference is in Get Out, it's on a much smaller scale. So it's a little easier to kind of excuse the fact that you're like, logistically, this would never work. But in this movie, it's on such a macro oh, scale yeah. that you're constantly like, how would this work? Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's la honestly, if you think about it from like a logical standpoint, right, right. this movie's like real fucking hilarious how much it does not make sense there's no way yeah like it is all classism sort of yes. metaphor and of course the racism that's based into classism it sacrifices the story for the metaphor oh, yeah. which yes. yeah which makes me like at least that is why i like at least it's still a great movie yeah but i agree i feel like get out is a smaller world yes so it's easier to explain that magic yes and there is magical realism in both of these universes yes oh i mean and in nope it, well i would say nope is the most grounded in a weird I know that sounds crazy because there's a, an alien in a weird space shark in kind a weird of way, space shark is. kind of way it is the most grounded yes. um, but you have to also remember that like he did get out and then this was out within a year yeah I mean it's a sophomore slump for a reason yes yeah, such a, a quick turnaround yeah and then he had like three years to work on nope and so for me I don't say this is third so much as this is second and get out and nope are tied for first 
first for me. Oh, cool. Because I love them both for different reasons. And I feel like I love Nope more and more the more times I watch it. This movie, I feel like the more times I watch it, there are things about it that I do really like and do really appreciate. I think I have isolated a pacing issue for me every time I watch it. And it's always in this one same spot. I'll talk about it when we get to it. Is it anytime anyone is fighting anybody? Absolutely. Or anytime she's like walking <laughs> down into the pit? Yes. Or whatever. Like literally all she is doing at the end is traversing from the ride or the walkthrough thing. It's like six sets of stairs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like three minutes of nothing other than her walking down steps and one escalator. That's not the worst for me because I do remember seeing that in the theaters because at that point in the theater, you didn't really know. Like this movie really does like not just a third act twist, but like a last two minutes of the third act twist. <laughs> and by the time you get there, you're like, so what silly. the fuck is happening? Like what? <laughs> but not like, oh my God, you're blowing my mind like the end of Saw. Like literally Jordan Peele, you have like little precious movie time left to explain what the fuck is happening. Oh, you're just not going to? Okay. You're just going to be like yada, 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 yada. It all happened. Don't worry about it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's also fine. That that last shot with the helicopters like ruins the whole movie. Oh, that it's like even more widespread. Yeah. But here, here's my thing. I mean, it's based after Chud, which is equally as ridiculous. Like there is precedent for movies like this. Chud is a little more bonkers. This is a little heavier. I will say that if you take this just as a metaphor, it is a fascinating, really interesting movie. That's that's how I choose to see it. Yeah, if you think too hard, yeah. it drifts away. But however, I still maintain that Jordan Peele is doing a central conflicts universe with these movies. You've mentioned this before, mention it again, yes. because I was trying to explain it to Natalie, and I, I probably remember about 30% of it. I'll get So please explain it again. Uh, within most literature and, and art that works in a narrative form, there are multiple conflicts that tend to typify most stories that exist. So you've got man versus society, man versus man, man versus himself, man versus nature, and man versus fate or the supernatural. Those are the ones that tend to exist. Sometimes people lump other ones, but those are like the main five. Yeah. I think Nope makes a very, very strong argument for being man versus nature. I feel like if you see anything else but that, like that's the only one that fits. Yes. I think Get Out could either be man versus man or man versus society. I think I would argue stronger for man versus society, personally. I was going to say that, but I could see. I could between... also see man versus man. But for me, I think man versus society. I bet. Based on the next movies he does, it'll sort of fill in know. which one this we'll is. We'll know for yeah. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then this, I think, is man versus self. 100%. I, obviously, because you're fighting somebody who looks exactly like you. Yeah. But I think within that, that's where it paints a really interesting picture of this as a capitalist and classist metaphor. Because essentially, it's not just man versus self. Like on the immediate micro scale, yes, you're fighting a person that looks like you. But the overarching theme of the movie, especially when she says we are Americans, is are we fighting ourselves? Who has to pay for the life that we live, if that makes sense? Where it's like the comfort that we have comes at a cost. And that cost is another human being. And we cannot see ourselves without understanding that underlying network of exploitation. It's the same idea of saying there are no ethical billionaires because that money comes from somewhere, right? Like it comes from either exploiting your workers or exploiting the environment. This movie tackles that 
in a very metaphorical way. And and the story does suffer for it because at a certain point you start being like, wait a second, what? <laughs> uh, but I think as a metaphor, it works. Why is it that only some of them are tethered some of the time, but like... Right, but then at, at certain points are not... Like I, I yeah. literally laughed out loud because I forgot that the sun puts his arms up and walks backwards toward the end. And that for some reason forces his allegory tether to do the same and kill themselves. Now here, I I thought about that this time, because that's a part that I've had a problem with every time I've watched this movie. And this time I mean, it's I hilarious. was thinking about it, it. Yeah. In the sense of like, have you ever heard that people like kids see more ghosts because they're more attached to the spiritual realm when they're younger and we lose it as we get older. I started to think about it that way. I've never heard someone say that whose opinion I trusted on things outside of that's, banana pudding that's, because that's this totally was my fair. grandmother. Yes, I have heard people say that. Yes. I was like, man, I'm just trying to read a book here at the park. You don't need to talk <laughs> to me. Yeah. Anyway, that that was a thought I had while watching it today. That doesn't explain it. But there's pieces like that throughout the movie that you're like, oh, wait a second. That that isn't quite. But I think the overall metaphor is really interesting and still works. Oh, no. I mean, I, I fuck with classism's metaphors. So of like course, of course. this had it been and I feel so shitty saying this because it's so well written already. But had it been written on a smaller scale yes. and things had been explained more, yeah. I would have fucked with this movie probably the most because of the subject matter it covers. Sure. But man, we're supposed to expect that there is a literal person that is underground for every person in the world that seems to have no agency right. whatsoever until they want to are they human like they say they are but are they yeah, yeah who knows? like but, but who like knows? if you had kept it to like two or three maybe five families where we have one major family and it's just everyone in a neighborhood or something i don't know yeah i think a neighborhood would have been perfect like a yes. stepford wives yes. level kind of for sure absolutely but because it's such a big focus yeah it makes me not like it as much because that those story points are just like Yada, yada, yada in a way that feels very, God, I hope people don't ask questions that kind of way. Sure. And and here's the thing. I think if you poked and prodded at Jordan Peele, he'd be like, you're asking the wrong questions. I was like, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. But that is just someone's way of not answering the question you just asked Jordan. <laughs> sure. Person I'm not having this conversation with, but I'm directing it at you directly. But listen. I haven't written any movies. There you go. This is a way better movie than I could have ever done. Like, I think it's great. I really do. I was just sort of explaining why I think it's my third favorite. Yeah. I, I will say, I think the performances in this might be the best of the three, though. Fuck. Lupita Nyong'o is so good in this movie. She deserved that fucking Oscar and she got fucking robbed. I'll say it again. Her and Tony Collette. Of course. It's horror. Yeah. They always get overlooked. And racism. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, for, yeah. It's both. I, I think this this one on me, so there's a lot of ways where this is my favorite one of his films and a lot of ways that this is my least favorite. Sure. I think I love the aesthetics and like the acting in this. Yeah, man. And I love like the traditional horror slasher stuff. Yeah. And I, I wish it was just people who like doppelgangers are coming to kill us because the more they explain the tethered the more it unravels the worse everything yeah yeah the worse everything gets yeah a little bit and like and, it, and I, I don't think you lose the horror the mystery like and i and i like stuff to be explained don't get me wrong i love it you know but like this went too far i don't think 
that has to be explained in a way that like logically makes sense. Like I'm, I'm fine to go into a world where magical realism exists and you sort of yada yada some of the magical realism of it. Which is what I think this is. Yeah, I know. It's just the scale I think that fucks it. Which I also think he's saying that classism is a problem nationwide. Really everywhere in the world it's a problem, right? Yeah. But I mean we essentially live in like a very advanced form of feudalism. So like we haven't changed since the Middle Ages really. I don't think that's true because of the whole like we don't burn people at the stake as much. There's a lot of things well, better now here. than the Middle Ages. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, there are people who would if we would let them. <laughs> I just mean like our class systems are still very lord and peasant stratified. Yeah. Well, as landowners, we're on the we're on top of that. So Who's on top of that? Us landowners. <laughs> landowners. Shit. I mean, I am in a different class that I was born into. Yeah. That is true. With with what you're making now in your house, you're in like the top one percent of one percent of the world. Of the world, yeah, probably. Which is also a problem. Like I don't think that any of that is good, but I agree. You're probably right. God anointed me to be a landowner and to rule <laughs> this is exactly my domain. What this movie is about it like is. that, but that's yeah. the thing because you because you're like, but I worked hard for my house and I like living in my house. But also, so you have a house and someone else doesn't. Like that is the reality of what this movie shows. Like, and that is tough to grapple with. Yeah, you're all are right. There are too many people. If we ate people. <laughs> All the <laughs> problems would be solved. Everyone has to eat their tether. Yeah. Also, I hated the they just ate raw rabbit. At least cook it first. How many rabbits? How sick would you get if you were eating raw like game? You'd get meat so sick. You'd get so, so sick, right? Sick. That's one of the things that like every time I see this movie, I was like, rabbit? And they'd have to catch him. Why couldn't it be like we have unlimited protein bars? Because that's just as dumb, but plausible. <laughs> this tether is sponsored by Cliff Bar. They're like the government. <laughs> Keeps bringing protein bars, and I'm like... I think it's rabbits because of cloning. I think the implication is they're clones. It is. Mikey, how do you not love this movie? <laughs> it's basically clones hunting their clones. And they can't, they, they can't be clones because the kids happen naturally because the scientists abandoned them before yes. they had kids. That's fair. That's so true. So they would have to they have to fuck at the exact moment with yes. the exact same sperm yes. to get the exact same children. Yes. It doesn't. Mikey. I mean, that's, again, this is where when you think too hard about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> no, but that's what I hate. But I love, I love the scariness and I love the aesthetic and I, and I love the horror of it. It's just. It is a great horror movie. And, and like, even today I was like, fuck, I forgot how anxiety inducing this movie is. They yeah, could have left it at her creepy monologue in front of the fire. Yeah. And that's all you needed to do. That's fair. You didn't need to cut into the, into their world. You didn't need to, don't, sh and then the, the hands across America thing loses me every time in a way that rarely things do. I don't hate it, but I also, I feel like you need the hands across America stuff to get the twist at the end. And if you just didn't have the twist at the end, you could leave it at that fireplace monologue and you wouldn't really lose anything but i think for me because one of the most horrifying aspects of this movie for me is the facelift with uh elizabeth moss's tether like this reality they basically just held her down and cut her face like terrifying right like on top of all the like horrifying pregnancy rape implications that are in this film right but also to look at that as someone who has experienced that horror and then the theft of a person to like push someone into that knowingly and be like, I have to fight for me. Like that's the ultimate classism. It's the, like the people who are wronged because like, obviously 
the greater people above air quotes government or whatever or what put everybody in this situation and yet she still chooses to attack and kill the people who are also victims like her because that's the only way that she gets to have her american dream it's a it's a wild movie that i feel like you could talk about for weeks yeah i love the class as a metaphor that i didn't talk about at all during the first episode but go. i see i've watched re, i've rewatched this movie a few times since then yeah and i that's why I've, i i like i like it i i, I like it because if i just i really like it i just hate that 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 yeah. end sequence where, where does this rank for you in the jordan peeleverse it, it just depends like the first 45 minutes i rank it number one and then for the rest of the movie i rank it third it's it's great for the first 45 minutes that's fair <laughs> yeah honestly i really love the setup of this movie yes but damn if i don't love the back half of it but i mean it's also still pretty great. I wish it was more of like this one family and like her double is not the leader and it's just one family trying to struggle all of these others coming up without explanation and trying to murder everyone above them. Okay. And then it's just them trying to survive the week or whatever. Todd and I, while you were in the bathroom, thought it would be interesting if it was one neighborhood. And so you still have multiple families, but it's just this one neighborhood. It's much smaller and it's, you know, you're dealing with like three or four families of clones rising up. And maybe there's not the true tether as much as it's just clones. I mean, there isn't a true tether in this movie either. That's fair. So, I mean, but they say there is. Like, it's like this whole thing that's like not really explained because the person who's explaining it to us doesn't fucking know either. Because she was born in the upside world and then got like... Yeah, unreliable narrator. Yeah, and then like got kidnapped and like it's been generations, they said, since the yes. government stopped doing the... Do the clones without a soul work like voodoo on the upstairs people? And they don't, so they just left them there. Which, if you think about that, how many generations? No, Mikey, I know it's been generations, question mark? A generation is 30 years. Yeah, but what happens to the body is like, yeah. like there's a lot of questions we don't answer. But here's my question before we get into the movie, because I know we have to dive in because it's, Oh, yeah, you know, I, I want to say one thing after you're done, but yes. Do, do you want to go first? Because this question will definitely discuss. Oh, yeah, I'll go first because mine's not like, mine's not like prophetic or what or good it's i'm like i'm i'm like half staff or whatever you call it i'm half mass right now i don't think you should say you're half mass and then wink at me mikey to midnight he said half staff first i know <laughs> i know mikey may have covid but he's can he's still half mass ladies oh, oh you gotta be you know i was born ready or half ready. Anyway, say what you were going <laughs> to no, say, okay, anyway. idiot. But it, like, it taps into like the fear you have of like the poor masses or like people yes. coming over the border or yep. people in the cities and stuff like and like other groups. Like it just taps really into that, and it taps into other groups who have othered you. Of like, and so I really, I, you're right, Paige. You can just talk about it forever because both sides have really good points, and both not not both sides like politics, both sides, but like. People want to rise up. We live in a system where you have to fight to rise up and then people want to defend it. And like no one it like it just sucks. And we really should be fighting the system. Yeah. But like that's this is how you could talk about this movie for months, which right. is why I like. Yes, it, I rank Nope and Get Out before it, but not because this is a bad movie, I just because those are also great movies. I also love the Purge movie, and we haven't revisited those because of these types of conversations, I think. Yeah, I do, pretty much, <laughs> where it's just like, this could go on forever. Well, the P Purge goes Purge goes like way off the... 
I like the Purge sequels a lot because they go wild. I think I'd like the sequels better than the first one. The first one I thought was a little murky. We live in a time primed for like the Purge style murdering of billionaires like being played out in movies. Like that is a theme that would play well. So I would be shocked if the Purge doesn't do that. I mean, I I feel like they kind of take different avenues with it for each sequel. And that's why I'm kind of interested because like the first one I love as a concept, but it has story issues that make their characters murky and indefensible sometimes. And and it, it doesn't make for a great viewing experience for me. The, the second one, a dude just trains all year to kill the person who killed his kid. Love it. In 110%. I mean, that sounds, it's not at all what I explained, but that also slaps. Like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds great. The second one is like this political undertones, but it's really this guy's like, oh, there's a purge, so I can just murder the person who accidentally killed my kid last year. So, oh, accidentally? Now I'm less on board. <laughs> it was a DUI. So, like, he's still going okay, for it. Okay, no, I'm on board. Okay. It's all right. There's some gray area there. He may learn a lesson throughout his purge night, but we'll find out when we do that movie. I'll say this if he's drunk when he kills him, I'm sort of okay with it. Anyway. Oh, you mean the guy has to drink yes. to purge kill him? Yes. All right. It's like, hey, if, if you if you could say the alphabet backwards and stab straight, <laughs> he you straight win. up uh builds the Mad Max car to like hunt the guy what? down. <laughs> so he's like, like he, what? Yeah. Why aren't we <laughs> yeah. watching that movie? Now there's the big government people what? and then there's like the resistance. That's all in the background. But really you're focused on Mad Max trying to kill the person who killed his kid, but then get like a couple's their car breaks down in the middle of the purge and he's like, Do I gotta save this couple or avenge my son? And you're like, I don't know, but I'm here for your journey, sir. <laughs> okay. We'll get to it. We'll get to it, Todd. We've we've talked about doing more Purge movies for a while. We just always end up doing other things. Anyway, here's my question before we get into this movie. What is your theory for why the government did this? Well, she says mind control. Yeah, my brain goes to MKUltra. So at first, I think it was they wanted to experiment with cloning, so they did. Sure. And realized that it didn't have a soul or whatever, or the clones didn't have a soul or whatever is explained in this movie. And then they were like, well, what do we do with the unsold? And then we just like... tried to do like voodoo dolls I guess and that didn't work so they bailed out the problem with that is hashtag not my government won't try to murder everything and that it mistakes on you know Uh, lies (laughs) my government would have murdered every single tethered person underground with (laughs) flamethrowers before leaving them down there unpredictably that's fair that also works with the metaphor that yeah they absolutely would have pushed (laughs) those people out of windows uh for sure my thinking was because cloning definitely a possibility my thinking was a Manchurian candidate. Well, I mean, they say it's cloning, Paige. Like, they say it's cloning. Six billion of them? Yeah, well, because if you have one for everybody, then it doesn't... You could control anybody. Like, literally anybody. That makes sense, if it worked. Instead, they're like, we'll just leave these billions of people underground. It'll be fine. That's that's true. If this was America, they would have just steamrolled through those hallways. If they would have had a different way to tether and not act it out like puppets underneath the ground, I was like, so is there, like, ground... Like everywhere on the surface has a ground part. I so that, like, that's a part that doesn't work. But I also do love the pantomime in this movie. I'm a sucker for interpretive dance in film media. But I realize that that's a me thing. That is a sentence I will not get behind in any way, that's shape, fine. or form. That's okay. I'm not going to hold space for all that. But I, I'm not I in think... a season for interpretive dance in my films. I'm in a season for all interpretive dance all the time. Give it to me. That and poetry. I'm I'm here for it. I'm a sensitive little baby. I am too. 
Do you guys want to get into this movie so we can go through it scene by scene, though? Yes. Nice. We open on a TV broadcasting a commercial for Hands Across America. If you look above the TV, there are a handful of films that are meant to be a reference for this movie. Namely, Chud is one of them, but there's a handful of other ones out there. I'll go over them in fun facts. Nice. I did love how this commercial is like just the first thing we see. Doesn't make any sense for the next, like, I don't know, hour 20. But it does come back at the end. I don't know. I thought yep. it was very funny to me. I, I like it. I, I As a device, I think it's pretty fun. I also really liked, because they used the original commercial, I believe. Yes. And that original mm-hmm. commercial says, go to your local record store to learn more. Yes. And that was like... There are so many different record stores across America, and that group just talks to all of them, I guess. Yeah. Okay, no, Todd, so this was like you could purchase special records and stuff that would donate to the campaign. Oh, I didn't. I mean, this is like, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. When your media only had like three inputs. Yes. You could really do some stuff. (laughs) Really move. Yeah, you could really get the message out there when there are only three TV stations. Pretty much. Also... We get an old Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk commercial, and it is one of the ones that I remember from childhood. But specifically, we cut to the boardwalk, which unchanged. They basically shot it as is, but they set it in 1986. Most importantly, so that this movie exists within the universe of another movie we have done on this podcast. Well, isn't it also when Hands Across America was? Yes. But specifically, she says they're filming a movie over by the carousel you should see if they need extras. Oh my God! They were filming the Lost Boys! Because they were filming Lost Boys right at that time. We had a chance to get Tim Capella in another movie, and Jordan Peele didn't do it. Just like in the background, playing that song. I still believe! Still believe it! Love it. Here's the other part of it, too. We don't see his face very much in this movie. In fact, he is only in a handful of scenes. But the dad is played by Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, who is Candyman in New Candyman or played Candyman in New Candyman. And this was like only a couple years before Candyman came out. So people didn't necessarily like know he was going to be a big deal. But I think he's also amazing in this and you barely see him. Uh, It's just one of those things that I like to pick out every time I see it. I mean, he's great in this, but he plays her unattentive father, more or less. Her father who has, it is depicted as having a drinking problem. And that is partially why he is inattentive. Because I don't know if you guys know, but the boardwalk fucking slaps. (laughs) And (laughs) you can walk around drunk there. So he's playing a lot of the midway games and he wins her a thriller t-shirt. Yeah. Now... I think it's very important, A, not only because of the time frame Thriller would have been popular, but if you remember the Thriller music video directed by John Landis, the zombies come out of the sewer. Like, that is a thing that happens in Thriller as well. There's a whole bunch of, like, references to those types of things throughout this entire movie. I think that's a fun one. So That's cool, yeah. This is where her mom says they're filming over by the carousel, see if they need extras that would, of course, have been Lost Boys. Um, But instead, he has another beer and plays whack-a-mole with a carnival operator that looks like my husband. A little bit, yeah. A a little. I was like, Jake, where were you in 1986? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not born. Like, Actually, no, he was. I wasn't, but he was. Yeah. He was just a tiny baby with the biggest beard at the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, her mom goes to the bathroom. Her dad is not watching her. She wanders off down the beach. As someone who has spent many a summer at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, 
do not go on the beach after dark. It's not safe. <laughs> or at least as kids, we were not supposed to. Uh, because <laughs> It's not safe for kids, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for, for kids at least. Uh, I think it's more of like a glass bottle needle situation. I mean, how many parents let their kids walk around outside at night in a public place unattended? We get it. We get it, Todd. You grew up Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Here's the, th- here's the thing. The boardwalk it has a bunch of rides and everything and you could get at least when i went i don't know if this is the case in the 80s uh, when i went as a kid you could get a wristband that let you go on anything all day just like unlimited rides you just got on whatever you wanted and a lot of them are either like just you got to be this tall to ride or whatever or just free for all yeah and so it does feel kind of like disneyland where you could kind of let your kids go and you're probably okay especially if they're older you know but along the boardwalk one side of it just opens out onto the beach and the the water's pretty far out but you could just walk down the stairs onto the beach they do kind of rope it off at night but like you know she but she's also in this scene she's very very young yeah she's like six right i'm not 100 percent sure but i think they say she's sick yeah yeah but so she walks and she walks to the hall of mirrors on the beach now this is one of the few things in this movie that is not actually at the boardwalk it's one of the things they built just for the movie there isn't a comparable attraction or whatever like it but in 1986 it's called vision quest because there was a 1985 film called vision quest nice and it says find yourself under that which i thought was great and at the end when the ride has updated to like merlin quest i think merlin's journey or something whatever it is yeah something like that and then it says uh the find yourself is still exactly as it was uh for the vision quest one i thought that was cool yep uh but so she walks inside and this scene the tension in this scene is incredibly well done it's lit very specifically it looks very scary and it's her trying to find her way out and she can't. Every time she thinks she sees the exit, it's the mirror and she keeps seeing what looks like herself until finally she has basically one mirror and turns and screams. We don't know exactly what happens until a few minutes from now and we'll talk about it when we get to it. Well, we don't fully know what happens until like a minute before right. the end of this movie in a very laughable post-reveal reveal. Yeah. And I always say laughable because like the reveal is... Some like we've been following her the whole time. This whole movie, we're rooting for her. I don't give a fuck where she came from. So like when they reveal it, I'm like, oh yeah, cool. That's awesome. Good for her. Like great. She got out. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's great. Great. Good for her. Yeah. Controversial opinion. I don't think there are evil six year olds. Same, right? But I feel like the movie tried to tell me there are, and I was like, ah, oh, this isn't working for me. I think the movie tried to tell you that there are people who live in ways that are like not great sometimes, and they might blame you. Maybe rightfully so for the way they have to live not so greatly and they might want to take that angst out on you. But like six year olds? Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think the movie calls her evil because uh, I think she just trades places. You know, like I think she's in a bad situation and tries to get out of it. Yeah, she does. Like, I think she's trying to survive. Now, is what she does right? No. no. Do I do I think she is consummately evil? No. She should have tried to corner the frozen orange juice market. Orange Julius? That's uh, that's my trading places movie joke that I'm throwing uh... in. <laughs> Oh my god That actually is a great Trading places joke That is a great joke Holy shit It's really Specifically vague And honestly What is trading places If not The comedy version Of this movie (laughs) 
Right, right. Or that one time that Hildy Santo Tomas put a bunch of moss on that wall and tried to convince a homeowner to like it. Oh, no, wait, that's trading spaces. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's a deep cut joke for like five people. My favorite episode of trading spaces is when, uh, fuck, why can't I be smart right now? <laughs> <laughs> Who is in Halloween? Who is in Halloween? Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. My favorite episode of Trading Spaces is when Jamie Lee Curtis shows her boobs. <laughs> that's a fish called Wanda. That's also Trading Places. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. You're right. You're right. But then her neighbors were like, we don't like these boobs. We're going to paint over them. Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, I like that. Central. <laughs> there is an owl jump scare that I'm sure got Todd in this scene. It did get me. Yeah. And I love at the end when Lapita Nuango beats the shit out of it. I'm like, yeah, fuck that owl. I don't think my other would kill me. You don't think your tether would kill you? No. I don't think my tether would kill me either. Why? Show your work. Okay, because deep inside, I'm dead and sad. So deep inside, he's alive and happy? Yeah, exactly, Mikey. So maybe you're the tether. Yeah, I escaped because I'm an Ooh. evil six-year-old. You've seen <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs. Mikey's an evil six-year-old lady. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of inner child work, and um, <laughs> I'm not really doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that is very apparent. <laughs> I played a lot of Legos. Let go of all the wealth, you know what I'm saying? I got so many jokes today. I mean, you're always going to get me with top brow classism Lego jokes. Let go of all the wealth. I'm trying to make up for my poor commentary in the first episode, so. I'm going to double up on the puns in this one. That's going to make it better. People are going to be like, Mikey really understands classism. It's almost like he went to class in his classes. <laughs> anyway, we get the credits, uh, which is a bunch of rabbits. Now, it is torture. They are so... <laughs> fucking long and do nothing nothing at all for the movie why waste my time with these credits i fast forward the credits after the first minute i was like bro it's insane i should be able to like request a refund for two bucks off the ticket price. Were, were those rabbits tethers of real rabbits up top? They were, yeah. They must have been. I mean, no, I don't think so. I think they were just rabbits because clones. Just clones. Yeah. Clone rabbits. Which you could have done sheep too, right? You could have done sheep. Maybe in the Scottish tunnels it's sheep. That's way better than just eating a rabbit raw, but like whatever. Well, I don't know. You have to chew through the wool. That makes my... Mouth feel bad. Are we to believe they didn't have cooking like utensils or implements? Like they said raw. They're eating rabbit sushi every night on a revolving plate. All they had was six billion pairs of scissors. <laughs> you rub enough of those together, you're gonna make some heat, baby. You know what I'm saying? Nothing makes sense. Anyway, the reason I bring up the credits is because this is the first time we hear the score of the film. Uh, which does sound like Latin enchanting, but it is actually not. Specifically, they wrote the syllables to be nonsense so that it gave you this dread and feeling, but you couldn't isolate any of what they were saying. It's meant specifically to make you uneasy. I mean, so Latin would have achieved the same purpose. So like, I don't care. I mean, that's cool, though. I like that they yeah. went that far into it, but I'm not a doctor, so I don't speak a dead language. So like I it's it still sounds like Latin to me. Nothing makes me uneasy. I'm always easy. <laughs> Ladies. Easy like Sunday morning. 
then uh, even even though you don't speak Latin, you would have probably caught roots or something. Like I don't know if you've heard that song. They're like Asmodeus, Satanus, like you know that kind of one. Like you would have heard something. Yeah, my, most of my favorite operas are in Latin, but like I don't speak yeah. it. Like I, but I'm I'm just no. saying like I I get it. It worked, but Latin would have also worked. That's a phrase you don't hear often. Most, most of, of my, my favorite, favorite operas. operas. You don't have favorite like. S- classical music, Mikey. Todd, who do you think you're asking right now? No, 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 no. I have, I have heteronormative hobbies. <laughs> this is like if you went up to Donald Trump and were like, "Do you have favorite like actual books?" No, of course not. <laughs> I do have favorite books, but I don't have favorite operas. N- not necessarily opera, but you have like classical composers you like, right? No, of course he doesn't, Todd. I like, I like uh, Chopin. Okay, that's just the only one you could remember right now. Beethoven. My- <laughs> Beethoven. I don't know why you had to say it like that. The great Spanish composer Beethoven. I mean, I like Salarium or whatever his name was. No, Salieri was yeah. Mozart's like. Rival, if the movies to only be only in the film, right, only right, right, in the right, film, right. which I love. Listen, it's great. Raindrop, uh, Raindrop Sonata is one of my favorite pieces. M- Moonlight Sonata, mm-hmm. but cool. No, the uh, the other one. <laughs> what other one? The one that's the one that's about raindrops. Yeah, it goes. Raindrops keep falling on my... the keys. <laughs> the, the raindrop prelude, number twenty-eight. You know, opera twenty-eight, fifteen by Chopin, whatever. The raindrop prelude. My favorite is Chopin Broccoli. Anyway, we should move on. That's a Dana Carvey joke no one's going to get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If only we were on an opera podcast and not a comedy one. <laughs> <sighs> one day. No, not for me, bro. Not for me either. Maybe my tether likes opera or whatever that they do down there. Mikey, I bet your tether is super into music video, like just music in general, but definitely music theater. Mikey's tether is definitely like singing his favorite song from 1776, the musical downstairs. Like that is what Mikey's tether is doing. <laughs> Mikey's tether is breakdancing right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the most worn out car- cardboard and wrist pads. Yes. He can do the spin on his head yeah. because Mikey has a pretty square head, but his tether's head slightly rounded. He does have a square I head. Do have yeah. a square head. Like Mr. Incredible, but to music. <laughs> <laughs> That's how people describe me. <laughs> What would your tether be doing, Paige? Fat shaming people. Yeah, well, hey, I already do that if there's enough money. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I have a roast this week, but also I'm telling jokes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't know what my tether would be doing. I, I'm thinking she'd be a real prude, maybe. You have a podcast about how McGee films are the best films. <laughs> hey, I, I like Charlie's Angels. <laughs> My tether would be on that podcast and nothing but gym shorts and a tank top. No way, bro. Your tether is like in the tethered army rangers down there. Just like the biggest macho, like testosterone driven dude, like ever. I'd be honored. <laughs> I'm an alpha. <laughs> That's not even how wolves work. Oh my God. I read a smutty romance book about wolves. <laughs> you read Twilight? <laughs> no, it was way weirder because they got into like the, the type of sex wolves would have. Anyway, we could talk Doggy about it when style. we do our well, next I don't understand book. what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Humans also next- have that style, Paige. <laughs> Oddly enough, it's just boring missionary, but they're in dog form. It was one of them. Uh, we'll talk about it during our bonus episode the next time we have one. That way they can howl. To each other. Well, they have to be facing you, so you hold because you have to hold the treat. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like on his <laughs> No, my day. Sorry. It's just people spreading peanut butter in indiscreet places. Get out the toys. Squeak, squeak. It's a squeaky toy. You want this Kong girl? <laughs> no, baby. Get the Nutella. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I think that... That went bad, I think. Yeah. No, I'll bring it up again on the bonus episode and uh, we'll have fun. <laughs> yes. We have a shitload of listener mail to open, guys. We'll talk about that and salt burn and, <laughs> and there was something else we had to talk about, but definitely those two. Uh, Love is blind. Love is blind. You know who Lupita Nyong'o looked like to me? Like exactly like? Megan Fox. Um. Anyway, <laughs> what the fuck? That's such a good joke for Love Is Blind. Thank you, Mikey. That's a oh, because <laughs> <laughs> any hoodle. We cut after the very long credits to an overhead shot like The Shining. The Shining, just so you know, is one of the movies that Jordan Peele asked them to watch prior to making this movie. He gave them a list of movies to watch, and that was one of them. Oh, cool. Anyway. They get the overhead shining driving shot. They're driving to a cabin. The kids are asleep. They get to the cabin and Winston Duke turns around and screams for them to wake up because he is the best dad ever. <laughs> I do like him a lot. I want him to play every dad. Yeah. Love. He's great. And hot AF. I'm into it. Nice. Yeah. Like I liked him as Mbaku. I like him in this. That bed is too small, but I don't care. Yeah, they never actually used that bed because they could attack that first night they're there. But like, mm -hmm. he did take up a lot of it. I'm not gonna lie. Like, it's not a very <laughs> yeah, yeah, big yeah. bed, but he's laying in it. He's like laying in the whole thing. He's dude is six foot five. Yeah, he a big dude. He's massive. But I love that. Like, despite how imposing he looks, because that physicality definitely works when he's playing his tether. <laughs> it really does. But when you're when you're seeing him in his Howard shirt, like, yes, he just is shot in a way that makes him look way smaller than he is but his tether does look sort of huge it's his body language and tone and yes. stuff yeah, yeah yeah no it is it's the performance too yeah when i do de-escalation stuff it's like i have to be because i'm like a bigger dude and that's yeah naturally something that people don't like right and so i have to be like i have to do certain things to like create a comfort level which is like kneel down if they're kids or like be really mindful of tone and body language and be i i turn up the goofiness a little bit uh, there's a lot of waving side to side like this because it makes <laughs> big people seem like really unintimidating. Like, hi. And then you like wave side to side. It makes you just seem. Yeah. It just makes you seem very not like a, like a threat. Yeah. So you have to be like really because you got to be really mindful of everything like that uh, with 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 tone and body language and all that stuff. Uh, but I feel like he mastered that with this role because he does both sides of the spectrum with the with the other. And I really appreciate that in his performance. Uh, uh, like, absolutely. Because, like, he's the same guy. They didn't alter his body at all. But you perceive him as weaker than the other guy, mm -hmm. even though. And it's because he's goofy. He's like, I'm just a dad. When he goes outside to try and, like threaten them later he like drops his voice an octave <laughs> like he has to sound more imposing i thought that shit was so funny hilarious yeah his his performance i mean lupita nyong'o's performance is amazing yeah his performance is amazing amazing tim heidecker and elizabeth moss both amazing like this movie does not get enough credit for how good the acting is in it. Yeah. For everyone doing so much work to diversify those two roles phenomenal yeah so good it is anyway they get to the house this was clearly uh, lupita nyong'o's character's childhood home because we see a lot of her stuff of like her as a kid yeah but 
she is clearly uneasy, like from the jump. Uh, and they're talking about going to the beach later. And she's like, what beach? We're not going. To There's a beach over here. Now, here's the thing. If you have not been to Santa Cruz, you might not know. Although, I mean, you could watch this movie. You could see a lot of it. The beach is like 15 minutes or so down the hill along the coast. There are bays and rivers and creeks and everything as well, because right up next to the beach is forest, like full blown forest. So when they're running around the cabin and the trees in the forest, that's literally minutes away from the beach. And there's a number of beaches along the way. So I think she's very fearful of going to the beach where she disappeared as a child, worried that her tether is going to catch up with her because she's the only one that knows that's even a possibility. But it's clearly not the first time they've been to the cabin. So I feel like that's one of the things that they kind of balance is that whenever they come here, I think she manages her visibility to the main beach. It's not that she's never been back, really. Yeah. I mean, even though she's lived close most of her life, she just doesn't go back. Yeah. Which, like, I get it. Why return to the scene of the crime, you know? A hundred percent. But this is also where she starts to see synchronicities. So she sees the spider next to the toy spider. Later, we'll see the frisbee on top of the circle. And she does say, she's like, I don't want to go to the beach. It's crowded there. And there are weirdos. There are indeed weirdos. <laughs> Sometimes even shirtless men with saxophones or vampires, but also like hacky sackers. Uh, <laughs> it's Santa Cruz. Anyway, they do decide to go to the beach. But as they're getting ready, she kind of walks through the house. We see the ballet room. That'll come back later. And the mirrors, because mirrors are very important in this film, symbolically and thematically. This is also the first time that we see Jason accidentally get locked in that little cabinet. That's going to come back as well. Yeah. And they hear a honking outside and go to the dock behind their cabin, where we reveal that their dad has bought a boat. And he is the craw daddy now, even though we don't really have craw dads. That's more of a swamp bug. It's also the name of the boat. That's why he's saying it. It's the oh, name of the boat. I thought he's he driving. was saying no. that he's it, the craw daddy, but I okay. mean, he is, but that's the name of the boat. Like he is just saying that. I mean, he's definitely daddy for <laughs> sure. <laughs> but that's what the boat says. Like that's the name of the boat. Yeah. And it looks like it looks like it came out of a muddy river. Like it does not anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they drive to the beach, and I do love that in the back seat, Zora, the daughter, is like, you know that the government puts fluoride in the water to control our minds, and no one else asks her about it, and she's like, I guess nobody cares. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that will be very important later, <laughs> like, weirdly <laughs> enough. What they put in the water for your protection of your teeth. For your teeth. Maybe. Yeah. Of course, Mikey would be okay with it, because... He loves teeth, guys. He works for the fucking government. That's what it is. <laughs> he went to Quantico to learn about the fluoride. <laughs> and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> I went to Quantico to learn about the fluoride and all I got was this t-shirt. Uh, uh, uh. Somebody make that as a t-shirt in our store. That's the one I want. I'll put it right next to my shirt that, <laughs> that says... My <laughs> Mothman stole my catalytic converter at Point Pleasant, West Virginia. <laughs> anyway, they go to the beach. This is where we get the iconic scene from this film where they're listening to I Got Five on it on their way to Santa Cruz. Now, it does appear that it's the original and not the remix featuring E-40, which arguably for me is the more popular version, but fine. And I do love that when this, this trailer came out, people were like, oh, they made it the spooky version. I was like, no, that's just how the song starts. Like, they made it echo a bit, but, like, it's just a dope beat. It is a great song. Great song. Yeah. She has a flashback to her in the car coming back from the beach that night while her parents are like, what happened to her? She got lost. Why won't she? Like, we will, We kind of are gradually finding out that 
she disappeared that night. They found her a few minutes later, but when they found her, she was not the same. So if it's your first time seeing the movie, to you, that translates as, oh, something fucked up happened to her. Yeah. And we will learn differently later, but that's where our brain is at for the bulk of the movie. Now, we do see an older version of a guy that she saw on the boardwalk as a child in 1986 holding a sign that says Jeremiah 1111. I do have that pulled up so you know what it is. Jeremiah 11, 11. Therefore, thus says the Lord, all caps. Behold, <laughs> I am bringing disaster upon them that they cannot escape. Though they cry to me, I will not listen to them. I'm going to bring calamity upon them and they will not escape. Though they beg for mercy, I will not listen to their cries. All right. Clones. You know how Jesus be talking about clones? <laughs> Just kidding. It's Jeremiah. It, it, any, we can't get into it. This isn't cult podcast. Anyway, so that guy, she, she sees the same guy, but he's dead. He's being loaded into an ambulance. Now, as they walk on the beach, this is a very cool shot. It's completely overhead and they all have shadows, but her go, hers goes the other direction. Yeah. Like they all look duplicated, except hers is off, uh, which like on a second or third or a subsequent watch, there's a lot of stuff like that that you notice where the movie's like, uh-oh, something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> she is, the ooh, the owls are not what they seem. Like that kind of, who? ooh. Who? 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 That's my favorite. There's like a thing on social media where people go around the office and they're like, they're they're calling you an owl. And we're like, who? Who? And they're like, oh, so stupid. Uh, uh, I can't believe it. You got bit by an owl. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so... We get to the beach where we meet their friends, Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss, who are just obnoxious rich white people. Like, yeah. like picture your first version of obnoxious rich white people. Don't alter that first draft at all. That's who they is. She has rosé on the beach, to which I was like, I know you could drink on the boardwalk, but I was like, open container? Who knows? Anyway, she's probably got it in a fancy Stanley cup. So, <laughs> I mean, I think we see it in a wine glass, don't we? She's got it in a wine glass, but I bet she had like a corksicle or something next to her to like keep it cold. Oh, I think he does get it out of the cooler in something that is like nondescript, you know, like a Stanley thermos yep. or some shit. Mama needs her wine. <laughs> it's violent. And she does have that energy, like. Really sort of like wine mom. Yeah. Wine mom. Core. You just say it's vodka o'clock. Well, yeah. And then they have to go home because she wants to drink vodka. She needs to up up the intake. Yeah. She's like, uh, I can't. I'm fine to drink wine at the beach and then drive home. But like, I'm, I got to get home to intake some vodka. Oof, my goof. Yeah. That's a head like wine and vodka. That's a headache waiting to happen. I don't know. Maybe it exercises the thetans. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's no, she's Scientology. Yeah. Scientology is space Mormonism. So yeah, it's yeah, different, yeah, 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 but yeah. it's similar. I'm going a little slow, but I can get in this. Space Mormonism? Tell me I'm wrong, Paige. Tell me <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> but Mormons are space Mormons because they get to travel to the stars and get yes. their own planet. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. Or Earth is going to fall through the galaxy back towards the planet that sits closest to the seat of the Lord. I don't know anyone who believes that. Well, all right. There were some people. Do you know people who believe that that Cain that is Bigfoot? Because that's another one that I like. No, there's no actual Mormons that believe that on a real level. But they do believe and... You all witnessed this. That like <laughs> that, that was one of the funniest days of my life. Yeah. Um, 
did we cut that out or did we leave we, that in? No, we cut it out, baby. We uh, <laughs> we Mormonism has some racist beliefs. We'll just say that. What white people in Utah more racist? Well, no. <laughs> the the reason the reason I laugh at it is because Todd said it. As if like, well, yeah, didn't they tell you this? It's fucked up. And yeah, Mikey all, and I were like, I've never been told that a day in my life. What the fuck are you talking about? I was like, hashtag not my <laughs> not my vacation Bible school. Should we, not my BBS. Should we just say what it is? Yes. Mormons believe that some of the people who joined Satan turn into black people. No. No. Close though, man. You're so close. Close. You're so close, Mikey. I love it. You're like 30% right. That's That's the percentage I like to stay. But I think it's more racist yeah the, uh, the version i have heard correct me if i am wrong when cain killed his brother abel he was cursed by god yes and that curse was for him to be a black person now that is never something i was told in my brand of jesus i found that out as an adult hearing it from mormons who were like wait you guys weren't told that and i was like what i mean from ex-mormons who were like hey this is a fucked up thing i was told as a child right it, it, the, I and I, I'm here to say I don't believe that. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, it's all <laughs> made up. So yeah, of course it's crazy. not true. But like, yeah. Anywho, back to this movie. We also find out that Elizabeth Moss's character has had a facelift, and I do love the subtle shade of Lupita Nyong'o being like, "Oh yeah, you look just like you did last year," uh, implying that the facelift only made her look one year long younger. Well, and then she tries to like play it off and be like, "Yeah, well, I guess that's the goal: small little look, like changes, subtle that, like, incremental changes that make you look the same as you did when you were younger." And then she calls her friend a whore yeah. because she's like, "Not that you would ever need anything." Whore. I was like, whore. Why? Why? I mean, like, that's how you know they're best friends. <laughs> yeah. That's mean girl's energy, man. I mean, that's how you know that they're both uncomfortable in social situations. Cause Lapita Nyongo's character is not like, doesn't really seem to be that kind of friend with her. Well, I think that it goes deeper. Lupita Nyong'o's character didn't learn to talk until she was a child. So I think she's still nervous making conversations with people. I also think she just doesn't like her very much. That's fair. <laughs> That's also fair. She's just like, you smell like rosé and sadness. I'm not saying that she's like, you can't call a friend a whore like that. Because I, I say shit to my friends. I can and have. Yes. You both <laughs> call me that all the time. But Mikey, I only say that to you because I love you and I don't really think that you are. And I have that relationship with you. Do you? I do think that you are. <laughs> 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 I'm doubling down on it. It just doesn't seem like they're the level of friends to be able to say that to each other. Like, it seems weird. Anyway. This is also where we get the synchronicity of the Frisbee landing on the blanket, covering that circle exactly. Yeah. This is where we meet the twins that speak in unison. And this is where Jason, her younger son, goes to the bathroom. And he does see the the Merlins, whatever it's called now. He doesn't go in. He just goes to the bathroom. Um, but this is where he sees that first tether on the beach, arms outstretched, covered in blood. Yeah. But it's vodka o'clock and it's time for everybody to go home. So she freaks out for a second. Lapita Nyong'o does because she can't see Jason. Yes. So she like freaks out, finds him, sort of like maybe not yells, but scolds him a little bit for going off without telling people where he went for obvious reasons. But yeah. Yeah. Well, because I mean, she's thinking about what happened to her, obviously. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, she's nervous being there the whole time, which is on display because yes. she's great. Uh, but we cut back to the cabin where she's tucking him in at 11-11 and sees a picture he drew where he drew the tether. 
And she's just like, who is this? Like, what's going on? She's clearly having a moment. It has, you know, unsettled her for the whole day. So we cut to her bedroom. Winston Duke's getting ready for bed. He is in a bed far too small for him as a giant man. And she basically is like, hey, when I was a kid, I went to the boardwalk. I went in the Hall of Mirrors. I turned around and it turned out there was another girl that looked exactly like me. It wasn't a mirror. It was definitely a person. Now, I'm pretty sure she's coming for me. And he's like, that's crazy. Yeah. But I love you. But that OK, like, first of all, I like I could take you. So like if she comes for you, like I got he's just trying to like make her feel better. But then. The power goes out. I thought this was so funny because like, and it's it's a really well shot scene too. Like he comes into the room and she is staring at her reflection in the mirror, which like they show that. And it's like, you know, when you're looking out, she's looking through a window, but it does have her reflection. Yeah. 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 She's like looking at, you know, when you're like looking out a window and it's dark outside and you could sort of see yourself, but it's not fully like you can't really see it. It's just such a well done shot for like what the movie is talking about. It's so, so well done. And then like, He's just trying to be a supportive husband. He's like, yep. I believe you, but like, you're fine. Like, this is a long time ago. Like, because it does sound maybe not crazy, but like she had an experience at six that like she isn't remembering the best yes. because of some trauma that happened. Right. And I feel like he's trying to be sensitive to that situation, but also be realistic. Like, we're not going to be attacked by mirrors of yourself. And then, of course, immediately, that is what happens. Yep. I'm like, hell yeah, Jordan Peele. No notes on this intro. It's great. It's almost as good as R.O.U.S.'s. I don't think they exist. <laughs> exactly. Tackled by one. Yes. <laughs> Lights go out. Lupita Nyong'o immediately calls 911. She's like, I am fucking around with this. And the kids are like, hey, there's a family in the driveway. So he goes out there and he's like, hey, do you guys need help? Is everything okay? No response. Yeah. I would not have gone out. I'd be like, get me either. Well, he and so he kind of like inches his way back to the house. He gets a bat and he comes out and he says, hey, y'all want to get crazy. We can get crazy. And then he says, by the way, the police are already on their way. Yeah. <laughs> like deliberately goes, lowers. <laughs> like the whole thing starts up here. He's like, if you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. And then he's like, the police are already on their on way. On their way. Like it just like drops so much over that one sentence. It's so funny. But I like his uh, reading of the Batman line. You want to get, get nuts? nuts? Let's, Let's get, get nuts. nuts. Yeah. This is Mikey from Harvard, and I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> Can you show us what you practiced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey from Harvard in here to <laughs> talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh -huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. <laughs> Cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor. They ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? Keto? Mikey, you've said it wrong so many times. I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. It's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. 
But anyway, Factor's amazing. <laughs> so just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn. 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 to get 50% off. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyway, he retreats back into the house because literally he's like, the police are on their way and the family just scatters. Terrifying. One of the scariest shots of this movie. Well, you hear the mom. Yeah. You hear Lupita Nyong'o's mom character from the tethered underground. I don't know what we're going to call them. Uh, but us mom. Lupita's tether. Yeah. yeah. She like makes a sound and the kids scatter and then like her and the dad like walk towards the front door it's crazy she chatters like a cat it's great anyway they go back into the house they're trying to keep the door closed and they end up injuring winston duke's leg in the process his tether does but once they get the door closed lupita nyong'o is like oh my god the key and he's like what key and she says the hide key now on a on a second and third watch you know that she knows about the hide key because it used to be her house. Like, as a child. Like, that's the hide key she would have had. Yeah. I do love when it comes back and her husband goes, hide key? What kind of white people shit is that? So funny. It is funny. That hide key is not even hidden. It's no, like it's sitting not. there on the side. Like, not even in the grass. It is a rock on a path. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, is, yeah. like, not hidden well at all. It's just in the middle of the sidewalk leading to the door, and you're like, that's not a hide key. That's just dumb. Also, never have a hide key. We, we have one. We have one. That seems insane to me to have one. Well, we have one because we don't have automatic garage door openers from the outside. Do you not have keys? We do, but if we got locked out, there's no... Other, we don't want to break into our own home. Oh, so you just don't know your neighbors. Like, I have three neighbors that have keys. But also, she's got a ton of rocks. Like, she could put a rock... Like, there's literally a million rocks. That's true. That's true. Okay, okay. Except that Jake is the one who hid the hide key And it is in a place where a rock would not be. And now, granted, it's in a place that's hard to get to. Like, I would need Jake to get it. But also, I feel like anyone walking around would be like, the fuck is a rock doing there? <laughs> and they'd be like, that's clearly a hide key. So what you're saying is this movie's right. It is some white people shit. <laughs> it is some white people shit. It's, I mean, in this case, I, it doesn't seem like they have any very, very close neighbors, but also, no, we, we barely know our neighbors and that is the norm. We don't really hang out. Okay. I have a related story for this. So, and I need your opinions. Please. Okay, I'm excited. Uh, so some people finally moved in next door. And so I went over there and introduced myself. And the, it's a girl and her boyfriend. Boyfriend travels. He's a musician. And I was like, oh, it's very natural. And then uh, she's like, well, who is your wife? And I was like, this is just me. Like, I'm going to die alone in that house. <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, oh, I thought with, like, the way the front of your house looks that you were married. <laughs> That's a compliment. That's a compliment. Is it a compliment? Okay, because I was I think like, that's a compliment. I told my family, and then my brother got in the group chat. He's like, Your house is gay. <laughs> <laughs> but was it your gay brother or your yes, straight brother? Of course okay, it okay. was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't talk like that. I would take that <laughs> to mean that from the appearance of your house, she believed that there was someone there who cares very much for it <laughs> and know. makes it look nice, which. 
here's the thing patriarchy stereotypically is maybe a lady but it could be um it could be anybody really but it means that your house looks taken care of which is good so her mom and dad her mom and dad are there too and they're like yeah it looks like it's got a woman's touch or whatever and i was like i picked out that teak furniture myself <laughs> you did you did I'm very job. close with my mother first off yeah, um, well i said Many women have helped design that house. <laughs> my mom. Like every every woman in my life has touched upon that style. Of course. Now, Mikey. And I thank you all. Did you say she was single next door? No. No, she's got a boyfriend. Okay. But he does travel a lot. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, he. Do- I'm not kidding. He does travel, but like that's weird. You don't need her woman's touch on your house. You've got enough. She cute, Mikey? Um, I don't know. I had COVID. <laughs> I didn't have it. I wasn't contagious. I went over there to infect them and nothing else. I was like, like, this is my land now. It's like, I noticed she moved in, so I spit in some brownies for you. No, uh, no, it's a couple. They're cool, though. At least that house has been empty for like two years, so it's nice to have some neighbors. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so that was a good thing. But I like left that interaction, and I was like, is it the twinkle lights? I was like, I put twinkle lights (laughs) up. Is it the twinkle light? (laughs) The lights that spell out. I have a wife. <laughs> blink, <laughs> uh, blink, 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 blink. I should have just been like, she's dead. She died of COVID. <laughs> We're, we have a GoFundMe. I scattered her ashes in your backyard. <laughs> we used to have a pool over there and I buried her below it. I hope you don't mind. We forgot to move the stones. Anyway. They make their way into the house. They break through windows. She's got the hide key and they kind of assemble in the living room. And thus begins the end of the first act exposition dump to let us know how the next act of the movie is going to go, which is where Lupita Nyong'o's tether is basically just like, yo, your life went great. My life has been ass. Look at my fucked up family. Now we going to kill you and we're going to live in this house because we deserve it. And also she says some very bonkers shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. That like doesn't make sense at all. You want the government tethering clones or whatever? Yeah, yeah. All that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it'd been creepier just to have people who look like you coming up and be like, I'm going to murder you and steal your life. Yeah. It would be freaky. Yeah. Real freaky Friday type shit. Would you have sex with your clone? Absolutely not, Mikey. I feel like we've talked about this. We've actually already had this conversation and no, <laughs> no I wouldn't. We, we had the conversation. Would you have sex with a sex doll of yourself or a sex doll of your significant another after they had passed but also no i would not fuck my own clone michael if you fucked your own tethered clone would there be like a reverb effect of pleasure it would be like a feedback loop that's what i'm talking about orgasmic feedback (laughs) loop okay so in the weird wolf book i read they like lock together as part of it i can't laugh i hurt so bad like their genitalia lock together yeah there's like a part of his genitalia that like expands what are they fucking ducks no Oh, they're fucking wolves, duh. You read some weird smut page. I didn't know it was going to be that weird, but then I was too far into it and I had to finish it. Hold on. Let me get out my master clock. Cock. (laughs) Your what? Not lock. Master lock. It's a lock. It's a cock. I don't know, man. (laughs) Mikey, I'm loving COVID fog, Mikey. I'm going to be honest with you. It's great. Cut to a year later when Paige is reading this like book about a wolf who's like going to undergraduate school for journalism and she has to go interview this really like rich billionaire wolf who was like a orphan and was raised by like this 
like abusive older lady. I think you mean stray. In Fifty Shades of Stray. Fifty Shades of Grey wolves. <laughs> just, exactly. Just like, but also Liam Neeson with those tiny b- broken bottles tied to his hands. At the end of The Grey, holy shit, that movie has a baller ass ending. I mean, he dies literally seconds after the movie ends, but awesome ass ending. But his tether was underneath Alaska fighting fake wolves the whole time. <laughs> he was fighting uh, corgis. So it's just him like getting actually murdered by corgis. That's it. Like if they fly across country, do they sprint from like a one tunnel to the other all the way across yes, the country? They have to, Mikey, because they have to be connected to where they're tethered. None of it makes sense. It is literally like you can't think about it too much because it doesn't make sense. What do you think the funniest thing they could be pantomiming is? Sex, obviously. Yeah. No, that's that's hot to a degree. I mean, what's the weirdest action you could do regular that watching someone do fake is odd? Picking my nose. Wait. Okay. Guys, recording a podcast. Ooh, that's just sad. Yeah. Helicoptering my penis. (laughs) (laughs) I bet there's a lot of listeners who would pay a lot of money at a certain Patreon level to see that, Mikey. That's not going to go. That would be under my own personal brand. Not splitting those funds with you two. (laughs) I feel like that's 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 something where I deserve 100%. Yeah, and honestly... You do. Like, I, I 100% would be fine with that. Please. As your dick's hype man, I would like to request a salary. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, our revenue's got up 30%. I was like, I share nudes now on Patreon. Just me helicoptering my dick. Mikey, just put it on your OnlyFins. OnlyFins, yeah. OnlyFins. That's how big it is, Paige. A whale? I don't understand. It's like a dorsal fin. What does your dick look like, dick? Todd, what? It's folded over right now because I'm in captivity. It's a free willy joke. <laughs> but at least your captivity cage looks like it has a woman's touch anyway <laughs> so this is also where we find out that other tethers can't speak that lupita nyong is the only one who can speak or can they sometimes well they make sounds none of them speak yeah but it makes sense as to why uh lupita nyong's tether can because she's was born in the human world although don't think about it I we just said yeah, this like i can't think it's just like th- that also doesn't make s- whatever 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 what do you mean it doesn't make sense that part makes sense to me because she only speaks Inward, she's like, hello, my name is Michael. Well, but who would she talk to? Because can they even comprehend language, right? So if you just didn't talk. Well, she organized six billion of them. Yeah. But here's the thing. It's like, do they understand speech? They definitely don't speak back to her. And she makes noises and does signs to communicate with them, not like not speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does not make sense that they can do everything they can do. Because they do communicate. Sure. Like, they have a language, whether it be like a a spoken language or just more of a, like, body language language, they do communicate. Yeah. So, like, they definitely could have learned over the 30 years she was there. They could have. But what I'm getting at is there's a strong likelihood that she has not spoken in that way for the intervening years. Oh, I think that's why she struggles, too, at the very beginning. And that's why she struggles, 100%. Yeah, because they're language is either just all like body language or they have some clicks and stuff in it yeah which like is a thing but this is where she basically introduces like all of our different family members are going to kill their tether so good luck chain yourself to the table and husband gets dragged out to the dock which now this is the one thing that on on a now multiple rewatch 
bugged me a little bit. There's multiple times in which people drag people places and don't just immediately kill them. And I'm like, you're not going to interrogate him. The tethers... (laughs) are not they're not great with follow through yeah they're not sending their best people is what mikey's trying to get at <laughs> <All right>? <laughs> <laughs> they're just here for unskilled labor page no. Oh, no they're very skilled that's why they got the scissors that's a skill well i think the scissors is part of it well it's cutting the t- it's symbolic you could also argue that manufacturing and scissors and that's a reper- yeah yes i mean i i definitely think it is for the cutting of the tether thing too Paige. sure 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 but that's also probably why they're in jumpsuits like yes they're they're in jumpsuits they have manufacturing tools as their weapons because yes the working class versus the more comfortable class above them anyway yeah this is where jason and scarier jason <laughs> end up in the closet uh and this is the first time we see them mirroring which again you, you don't think too hard about it uh and then yeah because occasionally we, jason can control his tether and sometimes he can't and it's never explains so just get on board that's gonna happen i think the best explanation is that kids can see ghosts kind of thing anyway so zora <laughs> tries to outrun her tether i love that your explanation for it is just low-key kids be spooky sometimes kids be spooky sometimes <laughs> and listen you're not wrong yeah hey in the facebook group i want to start a thread of the spookiest stories you have about your children i know they say fucked up shit Tell me that spooky shit. Oh, there's nothing worse than like, in a, I mean, like in a horror movie uh-huh. than like when a kid says something spooky, like a, they're here. Like that here. type of thing is very scary to me. I love reading the Reddit threads of people where it's like one time my three-year-old looked at me and said, when I was dead, I talked to grandma every day. And they're like, your grandmother died before you were born. And then the kid just never says anything else about it. And you're just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? That's why I don't need them in my fucking house. Man, you must have hated your grandma. I love my grandma. Because she was alive when I was alive. So, like, we talked when I was alive. Like, normal people. Not like ghost children. Anyway, this is the part of the movie that I think struggles the most with pacing. Because we're cutting back and forth. Yeah. From all the different family members fighting their different tethers. And the cuts aren't long enough to move things forward. They're short, I think, in theory, to try and make it feel like it's going faster. But it just means that we're like cutting back and forth, cutting back and forth, cutting back and forth, cutting back and forth. And it kind of makes it drag a bit. And it's all like happening within the same time period. Right. Because like the dad gets dragged out by evil dad. The daughter runs because the other one's a track star, I guess, and wants to chase her. And then the son goes into the closet with his scary counterpart. And then we then cut back and forth between all of that. Right. The daughter's a track athlete. So the implication being her tether can also run fast. Oh, no, I I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. But like that's what's happening. And we're like seeing all of those things that are probably actually happening at the same time. Yes. We're seeing yeah. played out. So it just feels like it takes forever, even though like yep. that 15 minutes probably takes place over four minutes, you know? Right. Because essentially what happens is like dad ends up out in the boat and ends up putting his tether through the propeller. Man. Great. But that whole scene is wild. Like if we just stick with his for a second, they get out to the boat. Right. He's like in a trash bag. And then like the engine dies, which we saw it do before. Right. And then there's like he comes out of the trash bag and like hits the guy. Anyway, they fall into the water and then the, the tether's getting dragged around by the boat. Yes. That makes a big circle and comes back and then dies. Yeah, because it, right it lists front. left. <laughs> yeah. And then dies like it, the engine stops right in front of good dad, 
right? Right. So he swims over to the boat and like gets back in and is breathing heavy because he's been swimming a long time. And then that's when the tether dad comes up and like tries to kill him. And he, I love the way the dad kills him though. Because he smacks his own head onto the engine, yes. thereby restarting it, and then Evil Dad gets sucked into the propeller. Yep. It's really well done. It's cool, but like it does take 15 minutes. Right. Well, and then on top of that, we've got the the two Jasons where he tricks him and gets him stuck in the closet, which means yeah. that Evil Lu- Lupita Nyong'o has to like come get him out. And that allows time for good Lupita Nyong'o to break out of the um, bind. She's still wearing the cuff, but she's no longer cuffed to the coffee table right and she grabs jason they run down to the dock zora meets them down there because we do see uh, zora's tether running around too but they all end up in the boat and use that boat to get across to their neighbor's house josh and whoever tim heidecker and elizabeth moss yeah we cut to their house where they're like it's vodka o'clock uh and who should show up but the tethers and they literally just like without warning Almost everyone is insta dead. The yeah. twins are dead. Tim Heidecker's down almost immediately. And they have an Alexa that they call Ophelia or whatever. But this is one of those classic scenes from this movie of Elizabeth Moss bleeding out on the ground going, Ophelia, call the police. Playing fuck the police. <laughs> it's great. It does a great job of like breaking the, the tension too. It really it's pretty does. fucking tense, man. Like Ugh. this whole thing is pretty scary. Cause like Elizabeth Moss is like upstairs yelling at her husband to go check outside because she heard something. Right. And so they argue for the next like three minutes. And then just during the argument, their daughters come in and then the jumpsuit versions of them come in and just stab them immediately. Yep. It's super like eerie. I, I hated it so much. Insta dead. And now that they're all dead, the tethers start making themselves at home. But this is where we start to see like the horror of the facelift of like her sitting and smiling into the mirror and looking at like the scars from the facelift. Freaky. Yeah. But who should show up at the door? Lupita Nyong'o and her family. Uh, And she does immediately get Tim Heidecker with a fireplace poker, which slows him down a little bit. But then they drag her into the house to kill her, which they don't do immediately, which again, I'm not sure why, but... But that happens a lot to our main characters in this movie. Like, the tethers take a long time to kill them when they could easily off them. Yeah, but the kids take off, they double back and end up back in the house where they grab weapons, both a sculpture and that fireplace, or a golf club. Uh, It's a quartz crystal. Oh, okay. It is a quartz crystal and a putter. And a putter. There you go. Yeah, Jason has the quartz crystal. The quartz crystal has like, it's on like a stand though. Yeah, it is on a stand. Yeah. Anyway, so they get upstairs and the twins cartwheeling through. They hit one of them. She goes over the banister into the coffee table below. They, and then Zora beats the other one to death with that putter. You see the blood like flying up off of it as she's hitting it. It's nuts. And they arrive just in time to hit Elizabeth Moss with that quartz crystal and to save their mom, basically, who has then been tethered to the bed. Yeah, well, because the mom, Lupita Nyong'o's character, good her, is like tethered, like handcuffed, really, to the bed, right? Mm -hmm. And then the bad Lupita Nyong'o comes in and like almost kills the daughter. Right. And she can't really, good version of her can't really help because she's like in a weird, awkward position because of the handcuff. Well, no, it's not bad Lupita Nyong'o. It's bad Elizabeth Moss. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. It is. But the the son comes in and hits Elizabeth Moss in the head with his quartz crystal on a stand. 
And that knocks her out or kills her or something. But like it saves everybody. It knocks her out. Her name is Elizabeth Liss. Well, now because she's, you know, from the underworld or whatever. Missing part of her head. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's why. So we cut to they are all now back at the house. Meanwhile, Winston Duke on the dock got Tim Heidecker, bad Tim Heidecker with the flare gun. They end up back in the house and they watch on the news where the news is like, yeah, it turns out a bunch of people that looks like us are like killing us. And then they're just standing in this crazy line Yeah, in real life. Like those people would be shot. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that they're still standing there by the next day is wild <laughs> because they would have either tried to arrest them or shot them in the interim. A hundred percent. I mean, the reason this wouldn't work is the reason, like, class warfare exists. No, no, I know. Like, that that's all. The, the more you dig into it. Because the police are used to keep the yes. lower classes down. Like, that is yes. one of their functions. Well, and that's why, even when you talk about this movie, when you're like, this doesn't work, but metaphorically, it just got stronger. Like, I know, <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway. At this point, Lupita Nyong'o's like, I think I know what's going on, but I can't tell them. And uh, we need to leave. We need to leave. We shouldn't be here. And they're like, what if we do home alone traps? And she's like, get the fuck in the car. <laughs> yeah. She like yells at her husband. She's like, you don't get to make the decisions anymore. Like, I clearly knew this was going to happen. Right. I talked to you about it before the power went on. Please remember. I know what's going on. You're going to come with me. But like, it's very clear. But she clear doesn't tell that, them like, really yeah, what's exactly. going on. Yeah. I was going to say, it's very clear that she knows. But she is not sharing it. When I was six, I kidnapped myself. Basically, yeah. Do you think she knows that at this point? Or do you think she has forgotten that memory because of trauma? No, no. I think she knows. And and I think that's why she hasn't been to the beach and whatever. I think she's always worried about the day that other N Lupita Nyong'o was going to try and take her place back. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why you always take him out. Double tap. Back of the head. Two in his computer. Yeah. If you find your doppelganger out there, it's you or them. That's a doppelganger. You got to take it out. <laughs> I don't think you're like identical twins just like taking each other out. And they're like, judge, I mean, we're identical. Like, yeah, it's allowed. There can only be one. <laughs> In Highlander v. Spaniard from 1986. <laughs> twins is different than doppelgangers. Doppelgangers are an evil version of you that comes in your life at some point and tries to murder you. Oh, and you can tell they're evil because they've got the goatee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was a time in my life I had a goatee, which is like. It's a pretty surprising dark period at all, yes. in my life. You've seen pictures of it, Mikey. Every time we do a live show. You think Todd's the doppelganger because it I checks think out? So. Man, I bet his twin would have so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we find real Todd? <laughs> well, let's go find like a version of Todd who doesn't say shit like my favorite opera. I okay, I also enjoy some operas. I'm going Ugh. to see opera in March. Really, Mikey, you're the uncultured one. Anyway, so I mean, it's not opera, really. It's like classical music. But I do fuck with some opera. But like Carmina Burana's that slaps, man. That's a great ass song. And that's technically an opera. I think the opera's like five hours long you gotta sit through to get to that song. Yeah, no, I know, but I just fuck with that one song. O Fortuna is the name of that song. Everyone likes O Fortuna. That's the one song everyone knows. I know. But that's technically an opera. That's my point. Yeah. Anyway, they don't have the keys for the car. So they have to go back and get the keys. And all of a sudden, Lupita Nyong'o goes in to get the keys. And suddenly, there's not a body on the coffee table. Twin number two is up and running. And she ends up having to stab her to death on the floor of the kitchen. And the son sees it. Yeah. And it's brutal and traumatizing. Even though... She had to. It is fully self-defense. Yeah, like, yeah, she was going to kill her. So, like, she had to kill that child who I want to point out was cartwheeling around earlier 
And Mikey, there's someone in the Patreonicals that's been doing that a lot recently, and I can't believe you foreshadowed this in your Patreonicals. I don't remember fuck about what's going on in that thing. <laughs> I was say, I was like, Todd, his brain is mush from COVID. He don't know shit. Welcome back, Mikey. Welcome back. We're almost done with this movie, so. Yeah. Anyway. So the kid sees it, but they all get in the car and they debate about who gets to drive based on the highest kill count, which I do love. It's a funny moment. It is a funny moment, but eventually they just let the daughter drive because like she won't get out of the front seat and there's someone who's like standing there. It's revealed to be the Doddle's doppelganger, the daughter ganger, the daughter ganger. Yeah. Well, and and I do love because she goes to like, hold on to your butts. I'm just going to hit her. But the the daughter ganger jumps up and scrabbles over the top of the car like a cat. Which is like pretty scary. Like that that scared me a little bit. And then when he pulls the uh, sunroof open, it was like tense building to that. And then she's not there. And you're like, oh, thank God. And then the scissors come through the sunroof. And you're like, oh, my God. That was one of the jump scares that got me again today. Well, and then she ends up on the windshield trying to stab at the windshield. And they do eventually, she like drives and then breaks to like throw her off the windshield into the trees. She like flies into the forest. And then Lupita Nyong'o is like, I'm gonna go make sure she's dead. Which yeah. I think is a terrible idea. No, you but I it. understand. I understand. Yeah, well, because if, if she doesn't, she could still come after. Like, and I, I do believe it is sort of like it follows. Like she will always be coming for you unless yes. she's dead because for some reason that's how tethers work yep yeah uh now i do think it's really interesting that when lupita does get out to check and finds her in that tree dying like definitely dying yeah and she just goes yeah almost as if like it's her own daughter because in a weird roundabout way it's one of those things where it's like the daughter that could have been had she stayed in her place. I mean, they are genetically her daughter, right? Yeah, it, yeah, weirdly. Yeah, because her clone had this exact child with the mm-hmm. exact same person she had a child. Like, not a, it Don't think too hard about it. It literally Todd. doesn't make sense. But yes. I do it's it's a very interesting humanizing moment, I think. Yes. Yeah, I under, and I understand why there would be a little bit of that. Yep. Uh she goes back to the car. In the back seat, the little brother finally gets his little trick sparker thing to work and they fist bump. They drive down to the beach through the neighborhood and this neighborhood is desolate. Like every family on this street is dead, basically. Well, and their car is on fire in front of yes. them. Yeah, their personal car. Yeah. yeah. And this is where they see Jason's tether. And this is where he does the weird weird mirroring thing where the tether does what he... Now, I, I do think it's interesting that Lupita Nyong'o is almost just like, no, don't. Almost as if she's like, don't kill him, but we need to kill him and is conflicted in this scene, it seems. There's not a great explanation as for why. I mean, there's, there's not a good explanation as as to why the child sure. is required to do what Jason Like None of this makes sense. They have displayed that they can have their own free will. Yeah. All of them can. All of the tethers can. They can. Yeah. We see all of them experience their own free will. And then in this moment, the bad Jason just walks backward into fire for no reason. Like literally no reason takes himself out of the equation. Probably just because it looks cool. Sure. (laughs) And it does sort of look cool, I suppose, but like, doesn't make sense unless you think about just the metaphor and then it makes total sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like this whole movie. Uh, So 
Jason, after doing this, disappears. And Lupita Nyong'o's like, you two stay here. I know exactly where oh. he went. And this is where... Well, I think you need to understand that he's wearing a Wookiee mask, which represents the sequel trilogy of Star Wars, which was a fire. So as he backs <laughs> away with the Wookiee mask, any reasonable adult would also throw themselves in fire then be reminded of the sequel trilogy. Mikey, is this just because somebody came after you in the comments for not liking the sequel trilogy? No, no. I don't even know which movies we're talking about at this point. Uh, we're talking about Force Awakens, Last Jedi, I like Force and Awakens. Of... I don't like the other two. Force Awakens is good, but Rise, Rise of Skywalker is the most bomb. I honestly like, refuse to believe that anything that takes place after Rogue One is canon. But that's the original trilogy, dude. I'm fine with it, that. You're fine with the original trilogy being gone. I love the first three movies that came out, but like... Yeah, Rogue One is before the Rogue One's before, yeah. I know, but like Rogue One is by far the best one. Rogue One beside, is the best Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back. That's also an opinion, yeah. Anyway, we can't. We can't. We don't have Doesn't time. Matter. Anyway. Arguing about the good movies is just proper Star Wars etiquette. That's why we don't even mention the other things, which <laughs> made that boy throw himself into a fire. Yeah. Also, that boy Cape feared all the way to this boardwalk from their house under their car. You guys realize that, right? No, no, no. I think he drove their car and then lit it on so fire. She drove him in their car and then loaded, lit it on fire. Yeah. No, the scene shows you that's not the case. Oh, well, because she backs up and he was under. Because they drive yes. up. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, see yeah, their yeah, car yeah, yeah. on fire. They hear him under their car because he was holding on to the bottom of their car. And then he, I thought he she climbed on the away. bottom when they stopped in front of their car. That was my. Uh, yeah, that was my interpretation, too. But, Todd, I will admit that your version is both possible and terrifying. Thank you. Yeah, that would be fucking. Ooh. So Lupita Nyong'o goes to the Holomirs because she's like, if somebody's taking my kid, they definitely took him there. So she goes there. Now, the shot of her walking into the Hall of Mirrors is completely dark with a square framing of her walking in. And instantly, because I've watched Nope recently, there is an almost identical shot in both Get Out and this and Nope. Nice. Like visually linking the three. I was like, oh, yes, this is why. This is why everyone is excited when he makes a movie. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, he is good. So she goes down like 40 million stairs. And meanwhile, up top, uh, Winston Duke and Zora, the daughter, find an ambulance and everyone else is dead. But they see the line and they're like, weird. And he's like, maybe it's performance art because he's still full on dad core. And I love it. He also has no real idea what's going on. And he has to frighten Not children to try and like keep calm. Yeah. Not a clue. He's just trying to be dad of the year. Yeah. And you know what? He's fucking nailing he it. He is crushing it. He is craw daddy of the year, baby. He's craw daddy of the year. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o gets all the way down and Tether Lupita Nyong'o gets her James Bond villain speech. And this is where we find out about how tethers work five minutes before the end of the film. We also don't like we I realize that that is all? what the movie thinks it's doing, but it's not. It is just like saying some gibberish that someone who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about is trying to explain the incredibly weird premise of the movie. Right. It works for the metaphor, not exactly. in, in reality. Anyway, but this is how we kind of understand the like one to one ratio, whatever. They fight. She stabs her and then chokes her to death and then laughs about it. The whole fight scene is very cool, though. Like the way it's yes. choreographed, 
the dancing part of it. Like, yes. and it is very artistically like done. It's not like a normal fight scene. Like, right. Le- good Lupita Nyong'o is like aggressively trying to fight her, and she is just gracefully like spinning out of the way. Yep. Evil Lupita Nyong'o is. It's so well done. It's so cool. Or or tether. I don't know that I would call her evil. I but mean, you you're know. right. I, I, outside of just being the aggressor in this evening, right? Yeah. But like, yep. <laughs> but it's it's still a really really cool fight scene. Anyway, she she kills her. She gets to the locker. She gets her son out. Uh, but now her kid, I think, knows the truth about her and what has happened and what everything was down there. I think that the kid is like speculating that. I I don't think it's confirmed ever for the child. Right. But I think that that is what like during the reveal. I think that is what we are to learn. And I think we are learning that through the eyes of the child, sort of. Right. Like, I don't know that he ever really fully knows, but. I think it's him questioning because we do get her thinking back. Yeah. Revealing that she took the spot. Yes. Uh, and and that we have, the person we have been following the entire time is actually the tether. And he just lowers his mask. Yeah. As they see the giant line of people. And like helicopters and shit. Yeah. And helicopters and shit. And, and that's, that's the movie. movie. So I've seen the movie and I talked about the movie. What did you guys think about us? It's pretty good. I I do really like it. It's e- even being my third favorite. It's still better than like 60 to 70% of the movies we do on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely think it's a good movie. Yes. I yes. love the metaphor. I love the classism stuff because I'm a sucker for that kind of shit. But I do wish like it made sense on any le- like on any movie level. I think the metaphor makes sense sure, sure, on sure. a like metaphor level. Like the classism stuff makes sense. The movie doesn't. And that's why it's my least favorite Jordan Peele movie, but it is a great movie. We didn't really talk about the classism metaphor much while we went through it. We did it, in though. the beginning, yeah. But it's like it's like really in there. I had to kill my tether to have my house. So it was either him or me. But Mikey, you you said things like this in the past that like I think this movie is playing on on some level when like we're talking about how terrible classism is or whatever. And you're like, yeah, but you have a cell phone that was made by an eight year old in China, which is like true, you know? Yep. Yeah. Once you break it down, like everyone's awful. So like you just have yeah. to like live your life and try to help people when you can. I agree. I feel like I'm very lucky to be where I am right now. I don't feel like you should have to work as hard as I've had to work to get here. So, like, I'm going to try and elevate who I can while I'm here. I'm going to keep as many people down so I can stay on top as I can. <laughs> like a true American. I, yeah, there are people out there like that for sure. I don't think you're one of them. You are, like, in your day job, the very opposite of that. So, like. Who would you suspect? I know. Not that kind of it's person. Always, <laughs> I, I like that, like, you're, like, evil Batman, sort of. <laughs> Or evil Robin Hood, maybe? Take from the poor and give to the rich. Like during the day, you masquerade as someone who's good. That's your day job. (laughs) But at night, you rob from the poor to give to the rich. I'm a medieval-themed stripper called the Sheriff of Naughty Ham. (laughs) That's a tether I'd like to meet. (laughs) No, I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, there are only finite goods in this world, and there's 8 billion people. So, I mean, like, that is a competition for survival, and that sucks. But that is a reality, and um, I can't make sense of that. So You know who did make sense of that? Star Trek. Once they invented the replicator, (laughs) shit got real cool for everybody. Because, like, 
scarcity yeah. wasn't scarcity a problem was, anymore. Yeah, yeah. If, if we can get to a post-scarcity world, maybe things will get better. But I'll live on the moon when that happens. Whatever. It's cool. I want to jump high. I don't know how to seriously talk about this. I don't know if I... And yet you kept doing it. I'm going to go. Mikey, you have rambled for so long. <laughs> the movie's metaphor works in so many ways. As we've, It does. Because it's like you can be ashamed of who you were as a poor person when you have actually made it without even giving empathy to who you were before. And like you want to totally destroy that identity of when you are where you are now than where you are. And I think that I think this metaphor works like that too. I mean, it's like a really interesting concept of that sort of thing. Thank you, COVID Mikey. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna wrap that in a neat bow and I'll edit it to make it sound good, Mikey. I got you. <laughs> it just comes out as like I am communist. <laughs> I mean, people suck, man. They're gonna kill each other over stuff. That's just humanity at this point. It is. I mean, on a very like boiled down level, that's a a lot of what the problem is. Is that yeah, the scarcity mindset. Well, you know, they kill each other in communism too. So I think it's just the people. Yeah, no, I'm with you. But I also think unfettered capitalism is a huge problem and not good, but mostly because of people. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I mean, (laughs) honestly, the reason like socialism doesn't work, capitalism doesn't work, communism doesn't work is because people, people, people be bad. Socialism would fucking slap if it worked. Unfortunately, the people who chase power are not good people. Exactly. And that's why it doesn't work. Until we nail that replicator technology. But until then, Paige, can you give us some fun facts? I can't. Well, here it is with your fun facts. Jordan Peele, fun fun facts. facts. In the opening scene where the Hands Across America commercial plays, VHS copies of Chud, The Goonies, The Right Stuff, and The Man with Two Brains are all on that shelf. Chud and The Goonies obviously take place underground. The Right Stuff also uh, has elements that happen underground. And The Man with Two Brains references the fact that it's two people in one yeah. body. Uh, as I mentioned, Jordan Peele gave the cast horror films to watch prior to making the movie so that they would have a shared language when filming. Those movies were Jaws, Dead Again, The Shining, The Babadook, It Follows, A Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds, Funny Games, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. Lupita Nyong'o based Red's voice on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and specifically the spasmodic dysphonia he suffers from. Interesting. Okay. Allegedly. Now, like Lost Boys, most of this movie, uh, several key scenes take place on the Santa Cruz Beach boardwalk. That is why they reference the carousel. And they actually didn't alter the sets for the most part. You can see uh, boardwalk places like Barnacle Bill's Uh, and the Twister Potato Stand that are just completely unchanged. Uh, Most of the rides are unchanged. They even reference the rides by name because it has been unchanged largely since the 1910s, and most of that also exists in Lost Boys. So it's pretty easy for these to exist in a shared universe because literally nothing around them has changed, which is pretty fun. That is cool. But there is no Hall of Mirrors, so that's like one of the ones. Well, that's like a thing for this movie. I wouldn't be surprised if that was added. Yeah. In the Hall of Mirrors, on one of the walls, there's a carving that says Get Out, uh, which is obviously a reference well, to go. Get Out, yeah. but also he probably should have done that. Yeah, it was also good advice. Yeah. So uh, so Duke Nicholson plays Danny and Tony, two sets of tethers, uh, mostly seen in the news portion, I believe. But his tether, all the tethers have names, even ones that you only see for a moment. His are named Danny and Tony after Danny and Tony from The Shining. Danny Torrance and Tony, the man who lives in his finger. But what Jordan Peele didn't realize at the time uh, is that Duke Nicholson is Jack Nicholson's grandson. Really? 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was a completely like they didn't mean to do it, but it's kind of a fun little thing that, that happens. That's cool. Yeah. Now, during filming at the boardwalk, because they had to film in off times and clear it of any people that weren't extras, they filled all the rides with dummies uh, and then CGI'd over them to make it look like people were on the rides and moving, which is only in a few scenes and it's barely visible. But... Uh, that is kind of a fun little touch. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o would stay in character between takes as her tether Lupita Nyong'o, uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, she worked with an ENT specialist, a vocal therapist, and a dialect coach so that she wouldn't damage her voice because she spends most of the movie speaking in that weird back breathing talk. That would be so weird, though, if you were like Terrifying. breaking for lunch and you were like, Lupito, hey, what would you what what do you want for lunch? And she's just like, ham sandwich. Like, I yeah. would not like that. Maybe just like act. I mean, she is, hey, I'm not gonna question her methods because she did she fucking is amazing, great. But like I'll deal with it if we get this performance out of it. <laughs> yeah, and they did. So Jason Blum helped produce Get Out because at the time Get Out had a very small budget. We didn't know what Jordan Peele could do. So Blumhouse basically footed the bill for get out but they couldn't afford the budget of this movie so jason blum was hired by universal pictures as a producer outside of his company on a one-time basis it's one of the only times this has ever happened so that he is also still a producer on this movie even though it was funded by a much larger studio interesting yeah Fun little tidbit uh, is that uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Lupita Nyong'o, and Winston Duke all went to Yale together. What? Awesome. Oh, cool. Which I knew I knew about Lupita and, and Winston Duke because uh, they've talked about it on for Black Panther and stuff all the time. I didn't realize Yaya as well. Uh, he was there like a couple years after them, but they all would have overlapped. Uh, so they were all there at the same time. So like, fuck, man, who else was in that class? I know, right? <laughs> like, just all the amazingly talented, famous people. So the fast food that they eat is called Copper Pots in the first scene of the movie. Uh, that's named after the treasure hunter in The Goonies. Yeah. Is it Oswald Copperpot? Is that what it is? Chester Copperpot. Chester Copperpot. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The twins, Callie and Noel Sheldon first played baby Emma in the final season of Friends in 1994 what? Uh, before playing twins in this movie. Okay. Yeah, I know that you didn't watch Friends, but that's Emma is uh, Rachel and Ross's baby at, at the end of Friends. I mean, I watched a little bit of Friends. Like I understood the jokes in uh, The Blackening. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> According to Jordan Peele, there's no symbolism for Gabe wanting a boat. It was just to have it as a status symbol. Because, like, you can only be a certain amount of rich to have a boat. Like, you can, you know. Sure, it is, like, a level of rich that, like, none of us are yet. Right. But, like, I think it also plays on the racism and classism because their family gets a boat that's not quite as nice. Their summer house isn't quite as nice as their white counterparts are in, like, Elizabeth Moss and her husband, right? Uh, they have a nicer boat. They have a nicer place. It is a little bit of a keeping up with the Joneses kind of yes. scenario. But it also shows that even though this is like this whole movie is about classism and technically the family we're following has it, mm -hmm. they still don't have quite as much as their white counterpart. Yeah. And I think that that's on purpose. Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't think that much that Jordan Peele does is not on purpose. I think it's almost always on purpose. Yeah. Now, the song I Got Five on it uh, by hip hop rap duo Looney's Hell yeah. is the song featured in both the trailer and throughout the movie multiple times. Part of the reason is because I've Got Five on it is a, f a reference to a phrase meaning to pay half of a dime bag, $10 worth of weed, to share with another person. 
So the idea being both of you would need to go. Yeah, you're like splitting it. Yeah. So you've got two people, one bag. It's again, the man with two brains. It's yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's both a great song and fits great with the metaphor of the movie. Yeah. Yep. I'll, I'll end on this one because it's it's fun and we've done stuff related to it quickly. So after she wins the boardwalk game, she gets the thriller shirt, uh, which is linked in a couple different ways. A, people come out of the ground in thriller. But B, Corey Feldman was once a member of Michael Jackson's close friendship circle. Reed probably abused by Michael Jackson. Uh, allegedly, allegedly. But he was also one of the stars of both The Lost Boys and The Goonies. Yeah. Both films referenced in this movie, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So what do you think the production budget was for us in 2019 when this movie came out? I know Get Out was like five, but I want to say this was like 30. Okay. 22. Mikey, you are way closer, although Paige, you were only 500,000 off of Get Out's budget. It was actually 4.5 million. Mikey was only 2 million off this budget. It was $20 million, which if you adjust for inflation is about $24.1 million today because inflation has been nuts in the five years since this movie came out. Now this movie premiered on March 22nd, 2019, almost uh, five years ago. It was number one, the weekend it came out. It beat the number two movie, Captain Marvel. Number three was wonder park. Number four was five feet apart. And number five was how to train your dragon, the hidden world. What do you think us brought in? And it's opening weekend. And remember, it was a $20 million budget. I'm going to say $30 million. Okay. Paige, what do you think? I'm going to go 40 Okay. It made $71.7 million <laughs> at three and a half <laughs> its budget in its opening Fuck weekend, guys. yes. This movie made money. Uh, it was in theaters for a total of 11 weeks. It was number one its first week, number two its second week. And then it dropped to fourth. And then seventh, and then eighth, and then ninth, which is still six weeks in the top ten. That's awesome. And then after that, it fell out of the top ten and then was out of theaters 11 weeks later. But what do you think it made domestically in the box office when it came out in 2019? I'm going to say 150. Okay. Mikey, you want to guess? 180. Mikey, you're really close. It was $175 million dollars. It then made another 80.9 internationally for a total of $256 million. Uh, so quarter of a billion dollars is what this brought in more or less. If you adjust for inflation, that is $308.8 million today. So this movie made a lot of money. But that is your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit us with that scary scale? Yeah, our scary scale is just a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige. I'm going to give this a two. Yeah, I'm going to give it a three. It's not nearly as scary as it was when I first saw it, but there were still some jump scares that got me. I'm going to give it a one because I've seen it a few times. And that's our scary scale. Well, this week, the listeners made us watch us. So what is our new theme for March, and what are you guys making us watch to kick off that new theme? It's been a while since we, like, super scared Todd, uh, but also we haven't had a ton of foreign movies lately, so we want to combine it uh -oh. and have it be super scary foreign movies. So the first one is going to be When Evil Lurks. Okay, so I guess your homework is to watch When Evil Lurks and then check back for that episode that probably will scare me. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No, I don't. Well, while you're looking one up, let me read a uh, comment 
that was left on our most recent They Cloned Tyrone episode. In fact, like that episode just came out today. This comment is from Call Me Kate, and she says, I have the extreme need to say fuck Walmart, and I shop at Kroger. I don't got that target privilege yet, but I hate Walmart so hard. And I think we maybe have talked about how we all hate Walmart in that episode, I guess. We did talk about it. So call me Kate. Completely understand we also hate shopping at Walmart. But Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? This is from Kitty1991. Well, what does Kitty1991 have to say? My bad day go-to podcast. Okay. A podcast used to be the worst form of torture for me. Then I found out that was just because the only podcasts I was forced to listen to were the from the Christian fundies I grew up around. Ooh. Oof, been uh, there. <laughs> a show about horror movies and that one friend who hates jump scares watching them, Freud at its finest. <laughs> Mikey brings a humor very similar to my siblings, and it's like listening to them but on horror movies. Uh, Paige is a delight, and even when I don't agree with her opinion, her charm and elegance still make her likable. Todd's sheer energy and tenacity to burst into song with Paige, sorry, Mikey, <laughs> brings me <laughs> genuine joy. Nice. I look forward to every episode, and I'm grateful to you all. Five stars. Well, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your review or me read your comment, do one of those things, and we will then read them. That's how it works. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else including TikTok. Mikey is at mrandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm -hmm, than the mm -hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager's been driving her crazy. So how has Tia's teenager been driving her crazy this week? She keeps setting things on fire. Oof, magoof. You gotta <laughs> watch out for that. I did that a, a little bit when I was a kid. Mm, it's you know, a bad sign. serial killers do that. Yeah, it, yeah I was gonna say, <laughs> like it's, it's a bad good. sign. It is not a good sign. My mom was very concerned for a bit. So Tia, might want to get that looked at.
This episode's also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan wants me to make you guys watch some videos, so I'm going to steal your screens right now and make you watch this video from Saturday Night Live. It's the joke swap from 2023. Have you guys seen the joke swaps? I have seen this. I do love the premise of the joke swaps, and that's where Colin writes jokes for Michael, and Michael writes jokes for Colin, and hilarity ensues. I have not seen this one. Like I half expected when they said that this person had been on the show 30 years ago, it was going to be Eddie Murphy in like a wig or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) God, it's so mean. I think it's so funny though. Like it's, I love that they are just seeing these jokes for the first time themselves. (laughs) God, it's so, man. It's so funny when they see the punchline, they have to then deliver because you could see, especially on Colin's face, like the shock of like he's about to have to say this on national TV in front of millions of people. And I love that. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Oh, man. Jonathan, thank you so much for that. Do love that bit. Anyway, but thank you so much for the support. We now return you to another low energy episode of. Uh, the, the Patreonicals. I don't remember shit. So here's what's going to happen. COVID brain Mikey. Okay. Evil Matthew and Isaac were like, men, go out there and put them in other simulations or whatever. And so they're all <laughs> in that little town and a bunch of a million men's, not a million, like a few thousand men's, like a lot of them. I mean, it may as well be a million. There's like 18 heroes and a million or a thousand men's. Yeah. It's so they captured everyone. And uh, Kate wakes up and she's back home with her family, but her psychic powers have made them rich and she's really happy. And then Karun and Natasha are back on their home planet with all <gasps> the. They're, Wait. They never got blown up. They oh oh that's great. Also, they're really aliens. That's kind of a that's kind of a twist. I don't know what's real, what's not real. You know what I'm saying? I think that is clear. Yes, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so Aaron uh, has no backstory that we've talked about, but she was a championship archery champion. So now she's at the archery champion. I said Robin Hood one time and that became her job. <laughs> she had, okay. Her, she is a bow and arrow. That's her whole thing right now. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. You're right. Wes is back at the world's most attractive men's competition. Allie is back underwater being a mermaid under the sea with all of her family. So she actually is a mermaid. Okay. Oh, what's going to happen with her Florida man boyfriend? Boezy is back in Florida on his jet ski drunk. So his life is relatively unchanged is what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Jeremy's back at his job as a laser show technician. That checks out because of the laser toe. <laughs> He's got laser eyes again. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, Libby is back in the Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> Did she leave the Facebook group? This is all. Of the- okay. Look. Hold your questions to the end. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm you sorry. may give color commentary, but I'll get whatever. Mr. Rage Bomb is just a bomb that explodes a lot, so he's at his happy place. Vietnam? I'm sorry. No, that won't work. Cut that, that out. will not work. No, please do cut that out, Yeah, babe. we need something a little bit better. Nagasaki? Oh, God. I'm kidding. He's a, he's a firework salesman. There you go. Yeah. Sun Z goes back to being a stand-up comic because he's the most annoying person in the world. 
You realize you're talking to people who have done stand-up. I mean, mm. mainly Paige. You and I have done it once, sort of. I mean, Paige is no laddie child. No. River Moon has gone back to whatever music festival that she was at. <laughs> it's probably Bonnaroo. <laughs> and sex caliber bones a lot goes back to being a gas station erectile dysfunction drug. <laughs> I'm sorry. So he is just one drug? <laughs> yeah, yes. Fix it, Avery goes back to being a supermodel. Um, Madeline goes back to just being a very mean high school teacher. And Edward is a student in that class. And then <laughs> Edward's sitting there and he's like, how did I get in this classroom? And then on his desk, there's a pencil, pencil bit turns spinning in his palm really fast and it turns red. And Laura, she's like, you're in a s simulation inside a simulation. Not you again. have to get out. Yeah. Everyone's stuck in simulations. You got to, Edward, you got to break them out. And that's the end of the episode. Man, I am glad that this turned out to be a simulation and that everyone except for sex caliber bones a lot is not just like a regular person. And he is just like a packet of horny goat weed at the <laughs> gas station. That could have ended weirdly. Anyway. I guess we'll have to find out what happens next week on another episode of The, the Patrioticals. And that's going to be it for us. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. This movie makes no sense, nerds.